The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight are two priests from the Society of St. Pius V. We have Father William Jenkins, the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church here in Norwood, Ohio. We also have joining us here on the program tonight, all the way from Montana, Father Martin Skierke. Reverend Fathers, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Tom. And thank you. Especially nice. thank you to Father Skierke, who just underwent rotator cuff surgery. That's right. And uh, so we're praying for his speedy recovery. He's doing very, very well. Those Montanans are very hardy souls. They recover quickly. Uh, there are quite a number of other good souls we need to pray for, so I commend them to everyone's prayers. God knows who they are. You pray for them, and, uh, and he will bless them and you at the same time. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Father. We have uh, a couple different topics that we wanted to uh, discuss on tonight's program, but... Uh, the, the first one, uh, we found this a bit interesting. It was uh, just released. Uh, a, a new Gallup poll came out um, documenting Americans' uh, viewpoints and usage on uh, marijuana, cigarettes, and alcohol. <clears throat> but in particular, uh, we wanted to comment on just some of, the, uh, some of the reports that came out regarding marijuana in this Gallup poll. And uh, I thought it was, it was uh, rather striking, Father. <clears throat> Both of you, Reverend Fathers, they say that... Uh, in 1969, uh, Gallup apparently conducted this same poll of, uh, of Americans, and they apparently uh, reported that only 4% of Americans said that they had ever even tried marijuana, period. Only, only 4% of Americans. Um, in 2013, uh, there was a, a similar poll done again by Gallup, and they said that uh, at that time, 7% of Americans said that they currently smoke marijuana. But just in the, uh, the last nine years, not even a full decade, uh, that number has more than doubled to now, uh, I think over 16% of Americans say that they, on a regular basis, uh, use marijuana, smoke marijuana in some, some form or another. Um, but also this, uh, I guess now they say that, uh, I believe right around half, if not over half of Americans say that they have tried marijuana at least at some point in their lives and uh, the general opinion in, in regards to the favorability of marijuana has also skyrocketed. So I would ask my, my question is, do you find this concerning at all that uh, this um, marijuana usage has more than doubled in the last decade? We now have uh, almost 20% of Americans using this on a regular basis. Um, half of Americans are, are very favorable to this. Do you see any problem with that? Do you find it concerning at all? Either, either. Well, I certainly do. I imagine Father Skirky does too. It is, yeah. It's a problem. Uh, it's affecting uh, our young people, but I would uh, bet, I, I would be very surprised to find out that our uh, political leaders are not using marijuana, probably business leaders. I think it's probably gone into the upper echelons of society. And uh, many of our, uh, uh, as I say, especially our political leaders are, are possibly using this um, let alone, let alone youngsters, uh, it's become popularized. Uh, the message is out there that it's, it's actually good for you. Mm -hmm. uh, they've gone from medical marijuana to recreational marijuana. I wonder how many people are even aware of what the laws of their states allow. 
Um, and I wonder if it, how many people are aware of what the forces in favor of marijuana, they're all marketing, it's all about money, really, uh, uh, what they're trying to do to the laws of, let's say, the different states to get them to uh, relax uh, laws against marijuana use. Uh, people need to be aware of this, but is it doing damage? Yes, it is doing damage. It's doing damage to the individuals who are using it. It's doing damage to our whole society. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, a kind of a bellwether. Uh, it's it's kind of a the canary in the in the gold in the in the coal mine. I'm afraid, as far as telling you what is the condition of uh, of our society and its its frame of mind right now. Right. Yeah. Well, turn the floor to Father Skerke. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned the the the, the, the polls or, or the Gallup poll. Gallup yeah. poll. When I was in high school, I was in that era, and uh, in my class, there was two four uh, percent of the class were pushing their dope. They got picked up for pushing dope. Yeah. They were the one pushing it. How many in my class are using it? There's more than four yeah. percent in my class at that point in time. Yeah. So it was a problem back then. But I remember in high school too. They told us it's a gateway drug. It, it lay, opens you up to all kinds of other drugs, mm -hmm. so it was it was a it was a problem then. They were concerned about it, and they it wasn't you didn't have the the, the mentality that it's okay. They wanted to teach us that it's bad because all the consequences of what it does to the to your mind and how it impairs the mind, even in driving and and functioning in, in your job, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's a problem back then. But now the mentality has changed, and now they're trying to soft soap it like it's okay, like it's drinking, drinking a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting in this poll, they, uh, they, they poll Americans' views on the, the impact of cigarettes, and almost universally, I think uh, something like 85% of Americans said that absolutely cigarettes are terrible, they cause cancer, 100% um, terrible idea, but then another... 14 or 15 percent uh, kind of just soften that a little bit and said, yes, they're dangerous. They may not be, uh, you know, as dangerous as they're made out to be, but they're definitely bad. And I think um, over 90 percent of, of uh, those who smoke cigarettes say they wish they had never started smoking cigarettes. They're bad. They, were mm -hmm. they, would, they would discourage it. So, I mean, almost universally across the board, we see in Americans now um, this negative view of smoking cigarettes. But at the same time, it's kind of inversely proportional. We see uh, the favorability of marijuana usage. Uh, doing the opposite thing and just skyrocketing and almost across the board now in America we have this viewpoint somehow how did this come about where uh, we as Americans think that marijuana has uh, no no health no no negative effects to your health and in fact even it's a very good thing we hear all the time mm. how did that come about it's marketing the media the media markets these things to people and uh, but, you know, as our, our concern is, primarily as priests, that this is something very simple. Uh, we're concerned about the physiological and the societal effects of these things, certainly. Uh, the sociological consequences are very grave. Uh, the marijuana that is being produced and, and uh, refined and uh, sold to people now is very powerful. It's, it's much more, more powerful and refined than marijuana in my generation, for example, when I was younger. Um, and so um, the effects are much more devastating. But look, let's face it, people take it because of the effect, because of the effect it has on their mind. They take it as a relaxant, they take it for... Now, there is, there is such a thing as a medical application for this, okay? As with any drug, I mean, the purpose with any, any, any approved drug 
is that it actually has a medical benefit. Okay, if it weren't for that, uh, then it it would be useless and it would not be sold and it wouldn't be profitable. Uh, but those drugs are uh, are controlled. Uh, marijuana is like any drug; is something that actually has an effect on the brain. It, it, there are receptors in the brain that that, that um, you know are affected by the THC in the uh, in the uh, marijuana, and uh, this can do a great deal of damage to a person. Um, there are cancers that are related to marijuana addiction too. Uh, cancer of the brain; I mean, tumors of the brain that are readily identifiable as um, as related to, to marijuana use abuse. So this is very dangerous. This is something that really needs to be controlled. If it's going to be used for some good purpose, some truly medical benefit, it has to be controlled, like any other drug that is out there, right? Some like to say, well, it's the same as drinking alcohol, uh, same as smoking uh, cigarettes, you know, uh, the nicotine, uh, in the uh, cigarette, the alcohol, in the in the drinks, but people don't necessarily smoke a cigarette because of the effect it has on their brain, um, because of the effect it has in the way of thinking. People don't necessarily take a drink, thinking, "Well, I need a drink. I need this drink in order to relax myself." Whenever you see hear somebody say, "I need a drink. I need a drink," it's usually because they're overwhelmed by something and they can't handle it. So they need a drink to almost anesthetize themselves, like it's self-medicating. But as soon as somebody actually says it, means it's, I need a drink, well, they've got a problem. And if this becomes habitual, that they, they need a drink to, to face daily life, they're on the way to becoming alcoholics. You know? But people who get into marijuana, um, you know, the, the, unfortunately, they get into the state where it, they need that effect on the brain. It's almost as though they can't, they can't function without it. And as Father says, I mean, you can imagine uh, a state such as Colorado, which legalizes marijuana. Montana. In, in Montana, too. Yes. You can imagine, I didn't know that. You can imagine them <laughs> turning people loose who are, who are high in marijuana. And they have reduced the anxiety level uh, in the brain such that when they drive, they're not that reactive to dangers. What would you expect to happen? What does happen? Well, Maybe you know. they're going to find that the accident rate is going to go up with mm -hmm. marijuana. That's simple. Mm -hmm. And they do. I presume they'll, they'll find it. Colorado, they did. I don't know about Montana. Yeah. Are there enough cars in Montana to hit each other? <laughs> Hitting deer. Oh, they can hit deer. That's right. Uh, Father, you, you mentioned the anxiety. I mean, that's that's it seems one of the one of the main reasons that marijuana is viewed so favorably is because people say, uh, you know, this helps with anxiety. There's so much anxiety in the world today with everything going on, the, the terrible economy, and, and there's just, just so much happening, and so many people have anxiety, and this is a great, uh, healthy, natural tool that they can use to kind of to, to lower the anxiety and to cope with everything that's going on. What's what's wrong with that, that line Maybe of thinking? Maybe that's well, what they did with COVID, right? Maybe the COVID idea, locking everybody home, spiked the marijuana use. And now people... Well, you know, if they this. needed to get relaxed, whatever they might need for it. If they got to keep doing it, the anxiety is so high all the time, they need it, there's an addiction. Addiction. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that, now they got problems. It's just no longer, it's no longer to, to their anxiety. They got an addiction. Mm -hmm. And not now, as far as I'm concerned, that's an excuse to take marijuana. Mm -hmm. And the church says that if you're taking something that, that is addictive, highly addictive, that's mortally sinful. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, and things can be more addictive for one person than for another. But the point is, you know, we're dealing with something that is actually highly addictive, right? Absolutely. Uh, psychologically, Why do we always hear that it's not addictive, though? Oh, tell me another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, marijuana use is being associated more and more with, with certain with crimes, too. You know? So, um, no, it's definitely having a very deleterious effect on the mentality of America. Well, you know, going back to earlier about gateway drug, you talk about all those drugs coming in from, Cal- from Mexico, whatever it is. Right. Think about it. They aren't going to come up here and start selling all those hard drugs. They get them on something, get them hooked. Yeah. You, We're they, having a very serious problem in this area with, with heroin overdoses, right? So the, the police are assigned Narcan, right? And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, do you mind if I... Yeah. Poor fellow security here is recovering from his, uh, from his uh, surgery, rotocuff surgery, uh, was assigned, assigned a number of uh, pain-killing drugs, which he, of course, bravely, saint, saint as he is, uh, would, uh, uh, does not take, and he, he suffers with the pain and offers it for the souls in purgatory, I'm sure, probably for his fellow priests. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> but, I mean, it's got some powerful painkillers because this is a very painful operation. The recovery is painful. And certainly the, uh, the therapy, the physical therapy, is going to be painful, too. Um, but so that they actually sent you home with some Narcan, right? They did. Yeah. To offset a heroin overdose. That's how ubiquitous this has become. I, I've had uh, law enforcement people say they're exposed, they, they actually travel with Narcan. It's, it's standard issue to them now. So when they find a heroin overdose, they can try to save the person's life. I've heard one law enforcement officer say, I think that's medical. I'm supposed to be practicing medicine. He said, mm-hmm. without a license. He said, I'm not going to do that. And this is encouraging heroin uh, users to go ahead and be reckless because they expect that they're going to be rescued uh, by law enforcement who comes speeding to the scene and injects them or, or somehow administers Narcan. And, uh, you know, obviously this is a very serious problem. And people are dying. And people are dying in their cars with little children in the cars with them. But I bet if you, if you were to ask every single one of them, who survived the overdose, if, if they started with uh, heroin, I bet you most of them, almost all of them, perhaps all of them would say no. I bet you every single one of them would say, well, I started, I started with marijuana. Talk about a gateway drug, right? Yep, because people exactly. used the idea of monkeying with their brain mm. and affecting their moods and so on. I, I would, I would uh, place that bet with just about anybody. Mm. Um, and then, you know, then if they're using drugs, to subdue anxiety continually it just yeah. it just it, it's addiction once again they're addictive they got to use it continually to reduce their anxiety to feel good to relax whether it's alcohol or drugs there there's a problem i mean that's just too it is a problem there's, there's no way about it other way about it i don't think if i was scared you there is a legitimate medical use oh, absolutely. for absolutely marijuana but the thc is and the cbd right marijuana yes and um, yes but it's got to be regulated, right? That's the point. Well, it's just so regulated, it's regulated sense that you don't self-medicate because uh, you're going to take too much or I'll go take too much. So they regulate it. So, so it doesn't, it hopefully it doesn't become an addiction. Mm. Though well, with my drugs, they give me that Narcan. So in case I do start taking too much, I can, I can self-medicate and <laughs> get out of it, I guess. Now, medical marijuana has the THC removed, right? Right. That's my understanding. Right? That's my understanding. So. so this is the psychoactive part of this yeah. uh, ma- marijuana, right? Yeah. They take that out, 
And now that can be something that would be beneficial mm -hmm. to somebody who's suffering with cancer or some other very serious illness, right? So you'd think that that, that has a place, right? Right. That could be dealt with. Oh, yeah. But we're not talking about that right now, right? We're talking about, I mean, perhaps each one of us here knows somebody who has a serious medical condition, whatever it might be. I mean, I've heard of people even uh, with um, Lyme disease who actually benefit from taking mar medical marijuana. So it's not a matter of taking that away from it, depriving of that, if they really are be benefiting from it. But the psychoactive part of the, of the drug is taken out. For their, so they're not actually suffering the ill consequences of the drug or side, what you might call side effects that they don't need and don't want. Right. That's why the THC is removed from the medical marijuana. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but otherwise, we're talking about people just taking it for recreational purposes. And, um, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're basically just playing havoc or wreaking havoc with their brains. Mm-hmm. Well, Father, what what can we do about this? Because I mean, the last not even decade, the usage has more than more than doubled. Um, mm -hmm. the, the public has a, a generally more and more favorable view of this. I mean, if this trend continues, um, where does that where does that leave us? And what 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 can we do to reverse this? Well, I, I think Father Skirky needs to give a powerful sermon about that. <laughs> okay. right. Yeah, and we'll and we'll play it on the air. <laughs> No, I, I, but what do you think about this, Kirky? I mean, there are things that we as priests can do, obviously. Well, it comes, I mean, it, 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 uh, there's so much. I mean, I mean, first off, to stop someone to do it, they got to have a motive. got to have a good motive. I mean, yeah. if they don't believe in God, then they're the, they're, they become, if you will, their own God. They, they're their own standard, and they, they don't care about moral theology. They don't care what, what theologians have said. They, they, they determine what is good for them, and they don't care about anything else. So... If, I think that you re ultimately you're going to have to go back to the fact that there's a God. Do you think we'd find traditional Catholics who could learn about the, the evil consequences of marijuana and say, I don't care, I'm going to take it anyway? I think so. I, th I think they're addicted if they do. Oh. I think it's addiction. Yeah. That's, that's a, my thought. That's pathetic, right? Certainly. Yeah. Um, but in any case, uh, there are those who might listen, and we need to make it clear to them. I mean, the education needs to start at the younger level. Trouble is, uh, kids at the younger and younger level are being exposed to this. Mm -hmm. So we need to catch this, right? Yeah. Among our oh, own, yeah. our oh, own yeah. people, certainly to begin with. And they want to then rescue, they want to rescue friends and relatives of theirs who are tempted to it or already, already using it. Yeah. But they've got to be convinced that it's, it's wrong, it's bad, before it gets to the point where they, they, they are stuck. Mm-hmm. Right, they're, right. They're and when, when I, once again, when I was in high school, back when marijuana was taken off, you know, in that era, the school system, they were giving, we'd go down the auditorium, they're giving all these tellings about marijuana, why it's so bad, yeah. trying mm -hmm. to convince people then, without, without any, any reference to religion, just purely from the medical point of view, that it's, it's going to lead to other things, and so yeah. it impairs your judgment, it, it, uh, it, it, uh, lessens your ability to make right judgment and it leads to, to if not more accidents in driving if it just as we say they're, they're telling all the different things where it can go bad mm -hmm. I mean, even apart from the, the uh, physiological effects of this right we heard arguments that well if we decriminalize it then the criminals will not benefit from it right. if we decriminalize it and um, 
tax the revenue, then the revenue will come to the states, and the states can finance education and do so many good things with the money. Yeah. That it's really worth it. The criminals will not get the money. The politicians will get the money, and of course, they know how to use yeah. it to our best advantage. Yeah. We know that. And so, uh, in any case, this this is the this party line that we were we were fed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, has that actually worked out? Has uh, pro making marijuana legal, the use of it medically and or recreationally, has it actually cut down on criminal trafficking in marijuana? I'd say no. So not. Yeah. I, I don't know any evidence of that. Right? Yeah. Does the, uh, the, the contrary? It's just increased the use. Yeah, yeah. Does the church say anything definite about this matter? I see you have a moral <laughs> theology book in front of you there, Father. Anything? And, uh, well, Father Harry Jones, that's Father. Uh, Scare kid, I were just uh, conferring, uh, conferring here. Uh, does say it's sinful to use something that is addictive, and um, if, if it's if it's very harmful, it would be sinful and mortally sinful. So if it's harmful and addictive, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that certainly applies here. You know? Okay. Uh, there has to be a very serious reason to use a substance like that, such as. Surgery, major surgery, right? And, uh, yeah. What other well, yeah. It, it, and of course, it always comes back to the motive. What's your motive for doing it? If you have a good, serious reason, you can use it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But is it up to the individual to decide for himself, I have a serious reason? No, and you just can counsel sewer, right? No one's a judge in his own case. Right. <laughs> so um, you, you say there are people who could have serious reasons. But they're not, it's not up to them to decide for themselves, I have a serious reason because no. I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, what should they do to determine whether or not they actually have justification for resorting to this? I mean, it's an evil, but it can be a necessary evil or a lesser evil. Well, where would they go to, to in conscience, be able to use something uh, like this for a good enough reason to make it legitimate? Well, presumably, you'd think the doctors would mm -hmm. do that, but they're pushing drugs themselves. So, who do you go to? I don't know. Priest? Priest. Priest. Would, yeah, would you recommend that somebody in your, a parish of yours, let's say, who said, look, I have a, a, a serious condition and a medical reason to use this. So, I, I go to a doctor and the doctor agrees. You have a medical condition that would justify using this. This will benefit you. But the person should say, but this is also not just a medical matter, it's a moral matter. So, I should talk to Father Skirky about this too. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yes. Okay, because there's body and soul involved. Because doctors, they uh, nowadays, they uh, prescribe to practice, have practice that uh, certainly I don't follow the moral law. Yeah. So as far as mar they're, they're looking at, they look at marijuana, it's nothing like Coke or it's nothing like uh, heroin or meth or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So for them, anti-doctors, that's great. You know, that's, well, you know, that's a good point. If somebody goes to a doctor and the doctor says, you have a medical condition, that would justify using that. The doctor is not speaking from a moral point of view. No, absolutely. And not. so the the Catholic who goes to the doctor shouldn't expect the doctor to give the moral answer, just the medical answer. We see that in other areas. Always see it in other areas. Yeah. Same yeah. thing, like birth control. Yeah, right. Somebody goes to a doctor. He says, "Well, you should be using birth control." But they're not giving you a moral answer. They're giving you what they think is a medical answer to a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but you, for the moral answer, you really need better conscience. You need to go talk to Father Skirky or a traditional Catholic priest to okay. give you a reliable answer. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on this topic before we move on? <laughs> well, it, it is an alarming time, and you're right to bring it up. 
I think. And also the Gallup poll uh, thought it was significant enough to publicize it, right? Yeah. And uh, in the, in the um, survey or whatever you, you found there, the survey results, is, are they expressing a concern about this or are they just reporting this phenomenon? Uh, it seemed they may have, but uh, it may have been expressing a concern about it, but it wasn't, wasn't very strong. I think it was more just, just alarming because the whole uh, premise of the headline was that marijuana, for the first time in the history of the United States, marijuana usage has outpaced, um, has surpassed cigarette usage mm -hmm. for, for the first time. Um, so I, I would say it was just more, I um, wasn't really concerned about it, just pointing out that, that fact. So. Mm -hmm. Well, we had an incident uh, happen, uh, I don't know if I should mention this, but uh, at the church uh, years ago. I mean, it sounds terrible. I, know. Uh, I don't know if I should mention this, probably not, <laughs> in any case. Okay, okay. But I, I, was, I was away, and I, I got the call that uh, someone had put marijuana in the incense yes. right, for benediction. Uh, and uh, I was very concerned about this, so I, I came back. We contacted the local detective. But before we got him involved, I said, well, let me check on this. And it turns out that uh, one of the priests, well, I won't mention who, <coughs> I thought uh, it actually enhances the, the fragrance of the incense to put uh, mint tea leaves in, a little bit of mint tea leaf fragrance. And so that was mixed in. But for some reason, the combination of the smell of the incense and the mint tea leaves gave a, 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 a fragrance redolent of incense and uh, of, of, of marijuana. And there were those present who thought that, well, yes, this, this is marijuana. They were convinced it was marijuana. Who would do such a terrible thing? And um, as it turns out, I found out when I got back into town that uh, the, the priest actually began to laugh when I told him this. It was uh, how horrified I was to think this would happen. And he said, well, as a matter of fact, I, I sprinkled a few uh, mint tea leaves into the, uh, into the incense. Yeah. And uh, I pointed out that you Catholics burn incense to uh, to God at the altar, and Buddhists might burn tea leaves, you know, <laughs> to <laughs> the temple or something. So, uh, but in any case, uh, but that was the fragrance. But my point was, I, I actually asked those who reported this to me, "How did you recognize that smell?" Because I wouldn't know what it smelled like. <clears throat> and their answer was, "We went to college." They answered simultaneously, exactly. We went to college. And they said that the smell was everywhere. It was coming out of the restrooms. And now, oh, yeah. they would have gone to college 25, 30 years ago. And I guess, you know, I guess anybody who's been to college must know what it smells. Actually, someone told me that same answer, too. Oh, is that right? Uh -huh. uh, that, that seemed to be the place where they yep. got... Though, in high school, they burned something, wherever they burned. And they, in the auditorium, and they had it wafted throughout the whole auditorium. And they said, "Here's what it smells like." Oh, really? uh, to me, it wasn't a pleasant smell. I mean, yeah. I. I <laughs> mm. uh, okay. Well, uh, people, you know, our young people especially had to be told that this is mortally sinful. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely dangerous. They should not use it. They should try to dissuade their friends from using it. Yeah. And if they if they smell this, I'm not so sure. I want to, <laughs> uh, shall we say, brief them on the smell. Yeah. <laughs> But I wouldn't mind if they recognized it because I'd like them to recognize it almost like the smell of uh, uh, chemical fires or electrical fire and get away from it. Yeah. 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 And that's to be wondering, what is that strange odor? Well, um, in any case, um, it, it, I think it is symptomatic of the situation uh, yeah. facing our country today. Yep. 
right, well, thank you for that discussion, Father. Um, I uh, We had a couple viewer emails that I, I thought we could just get through some of these in the, the last half of the program. Uh, this first one uh, from a viewer who attends the Novus Ordo Mass. He wrote in and said, at the local Novus Ordo Mass this morning, our organist made an announcement before Mass. He addressed Protestants as, quote, our brothers and sisters, end quote. I was immediately scandalized and decided to speak to him after Mass to make a correction. It immediately turned sour and turned into a theological debate. He told me that although they are not in communion with the church, they are still our brothers and our sisters because they are baptized in the name of Jesus. Can you clarify this for me? Go ahead and clarify oh, that. <laughs> Yeah, they're the same. <clears throat> We're the human race. We're all in that sense. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> it's how they define it. You know. Yeah. You know, far and far as this this writer being scandalized, he wasn't scandalized because when you're scandalized. You know what the definition of scandalized? Be scandalized means. So if I start using foul language, you hear it, you're going to be offended by it. You're not going to be scandalized. You're scandalized. You say, "Well, if Father does, it, I can do it." So I'm not going to scandalize you. to do that. I'm not going to be scandalized you. But if you have a little kid, a little five, six-year-old kid, and they hear the priest talking bad language, he says, well, if Father can do it, then I can do it. Now that kid, a child is scandalized. Hence our Lord says it's better to you know, millstones be hung around the neck. He wasn't scandalized. He was just shocked. He was offended. He was whatever. But that being said, once again, it's just how, what are they, their definition. So how do you put it? How do you, how do you, how, what's he, he's defining it as all, all mankind, basically. They've been baptized, so therefore... Do we consider that, you know, our brothers and sisters would be considered Catholics for ourselves? It's their definition. Mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't raise a meter on them for me. <laughs> so if you heard that, would you storm up to the choir loft and, and get into an argument with the choir? Uh, it isn't worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this uh, lady or gentleman, probably a gentleman, I imagine, mm -hmm. hopefully a gentleman, mm -hmm. uh, objects to the idea, my brothers and sisters in Christ... Usually they use the expression, brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Which is, a, then it's a matter of religion, it's a matter of faith, right? Uh, like we're in the same family. <laughs> well, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> but Father Scurries, right? I mean, you, you say, we're all brothers and sisters here. Well, we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. To, to that extent, by nature, we are. And that's really? the point you made. But if they're trying to make the idea that, uh, <laughs> that <laughs> even though we don't have the same faith, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, in the same religion, it almost, it almost, and one is as good as another... It all, yeah, it almost implies that one religion is good as another. Mm -hmm. we're, then e we're equals. Yeah. And I think that's how this gentleman understood it, and that's why he was so upset. But that's what the Novus Ordo is all about, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's what modernism is all about. Yeah. Hasn't Francis... So he, should, he should leave that, that Novus Ordo. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean what's, he, what's he even doing there? Hasn't Francis used similar language, calling Protestants our brother? I mean, has he used that exact phrase? Well, he, he said that God wills the diversity of all religions. So, I mean, what's left? He's the quintessential modernist. He's like the poster child for modernism. And, it, you know, when I, when I heard that, I'm thinking, why is this man in the Novus Ordo if he objects to that? Doesn't he realize that the Novus Ordo is all about that? Yeah. Do you know why he didn't leave? What I see? Maybe not him particularly. He likes the music? No, they bought into it. His son, his daughter got married, got Divorced, no, got remarried, got annulment. And if he leaves that, he might have to leave his family. They bought into it. They used their birth control. They used their abortion. And so if he renounces that, now he has to renounce these actions as well. 
I, I, I mean, my, I can tell you a story about my father. He's talked to some gentleman, a good friend of his. So when our family quit going to Nova Soda years ago, he was kept in contact with, with, with this fellow that still could at the Nova Soda. And every Sunday they'd call up and they'd talk and this gentleman, he would, he would he'd talk about they're doing this, they're doing that, doing this. He just couldn't leave. He just couldn't leave and he complained about it, complained about it to the day he died. He got buried in Nova Soda. So they just, then we had another neighbor. He didn't like it. He liked what I was doing. He was friendly to me. He'd see me at the funeral, whatever it might be. And he'd just come up and talk to me like crazy. But he, as conservative as what he never left either because his son married some woman who was married twice before, whatever it was. Yeah. And he just, if he, would, if he would come to the Mass, he would have to tell his son he's not welcome in that situation. Yeah. They bought into it. Yeah. That's the point. They have somebody with an abortion. Yeah. Somehow they've got to find a way to minimize it, right? yeah. justify it. Yeah. So, using birth control, same thing. Have to give this up. Uh, yeah, there, there's a price to pay. Sure. When you, when you said bought into it, I wasn't sure what you meant by it, but I agree totally. They actually would have to pay a price to leave it, right? And to begin practicing the the Catholic, traditional, the real Catholic faith again. Yeah. And um, it's a way of life. It's not just something you dabble in according to taste, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, it could very well be that that's the case here. Yeah. That's I think. All right. Uh, another question. This viewer says: Many so-called traditionalists of the Latin rite seem to believe that being a real Catholic is primarily about embracing the traditional Latin Mass, as they call it. I maintain that while necessary, exclusive attendance at the traditional Latin Mass is insufficient. In addition, and far more importantly, one must live a holy day-to-day life. Am I correct in saying that while necessary, exclusive attendance at the traditional Latin Mass is of secondary importance? being a traditional Catholic. Of secondary, I agreed with what he, what he said until that very last phrase. Okay. Of secondary importance. That's the center of our faith. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the central worship of the Catholic Church. It's the sacrifice of our yeah. Lord Jesus Christ. But there's more to being a traditional Catholic than only attending. Insofar as he says that, right? Obviously, right. that's yeah. the baseline. Attending and then he goes to say, you know, the leading life. Of course, I mean, you, can't, you can believe everything there, but if you don't put it in practice, it means nothing. You can attend Mass all day long. If you don't believe it, it doesn't mean anything. So, yeah. But, you know, it's just... Uh, well, I mean, you can't be really a practicing traditional Catholic without attending Mass. And well, the baseline is receiving Holy Communion worthily once a year, making good holy, uh, confession. You know? Well, receiving Holy Communion during Easter time, yeah. right? making confession in the course of the year, you're not even considered a practicing Catholic. But uh, to say it's of secondary importance... It's as though he's almost distinguishing between regular mass attendance and becoming holy. Well, how do you become holy without the holy sacrifice? And if it's a, sec- it's a secondary, secondary uh, importance, take away the mass, what distinguishes us from the Protestants? They have ministers, we administer, they have preachers, we have preachers, they sing, we sing. But they don't have the mass. So the secondary importance, that's primary importance. Yeah. And just from that point, is that acts best. Well, somebody might point out, we have saints. They don't believe in those, right? Yeah. Somebody pointed out, well, we uh, fast and abstain, right? And, uh, but I understand what you're saying. I agree with you. Right. Totally. It's, um, all of those things are consequences of the fundamental mm-hmm. beliefs of our faith. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, it really is the holy sacrifice of the Mass that makes Catholicism Catholicism. And uh, all of the Protestant deformers knew that. That's where they went. That's what they attacked. Right there, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. They understood that. This is the essence, as it were, the bedrock of the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, they had to bring that down. That's where all the enemies of the church go when they want to attack. Because that's where they find Christ personally present in the church. And all of our worship is directed through our Lord Jesus Christ to God, the Father in heaven, as we say at the end of the canon of the Mass. So, uh, uh, you know, there are, there are those who become holy who can't necessarily attend Mass regularly, like during missionary times and persecution times, and they can't attend Mass regularly. They become holy by the grace of God, and God can supply those graces. But if the Mass is there for you, that's where God wants you to be. That is what the Church and all the saints have always said. That's where God wants you. He wants you at the, at the foot of the cross. Um, so you, you, everything you said until that last phrase is of secondary importance. It's true, but that is not true. It's not of secondary. It's of primary importance. Even those who became holy, who are imprisoned, right, in dungeons because of their faith, they were sanctified by the power of the Mass, as they were sanctified by the power of Calvary. So they united themselves with our Lord present in the Holy Sacrifice. They were spiritually present there. That's where they wanted to be. Uh, they made spiritual communions to be united with our Lord. So, um, you know, one cannot divorce oneself from the Holy Sacrifice and think, well, I can become holy without it. It is actually the source of all. Right. True holiness, as Calvary is the source of all true sanctification, all justification, and all sanctification. Okay. All right. Uh, another question from a viewer who is watching one of our catechism videos that you did, Father Jenkins. And uh, in that video, uh, he says that uh, you mentioned those who investigate the claims of the Catholic Church and don't have a mind to join, to join the Church if the claims are found to be true. Those people cannot be saved. But if the present Catholic Church in Rome is false, what church then is there to join? Where would one get baptized and take communion? Wherever the traditional faith is, right? I mean, the, the church hasn't evaporated. The modernists have taken over, right? They've hijacked uh, the church and her institutions. But the faith continues, the church continues. And uh, wherever the, the traditional Catholic faith is practiced, in its integrity, not just uh, let's say, as a hobby, right? Uh, like we take some of the Novus Ordo, we take some of the traditional, depending on taste, mixed to taste or whatever. When, when somebody is following the traditional Catholic faith, you have a traditional Catholic priest uh, ordained by a tr truly traditional Catholic bishop who himself was consecrated as a tr truly traditional Catholic bishop. And they are practicing the integrity of faith in its, in its, its belief, in its worship, right, and so on. Uh, and really being faithful to Catholic tradition, there you have the, the church is there. And that's where everyone should go these days. Everyone who aspires to be Catholic should seek that out and practice the traditional Catholic faith. Because, I mean, uh, you know, what's going on with the modernists and the Novus Ordo following Francis is not, is not taking it to heaven. Uh, not at all. In fact, they're, 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 they're on this wide, wide path to, to uh, perdition. Um, they are actually primarily concerned with uh, bringing about the, the new world order um, and instituting the religion of the new world order um, with a vengeance. Don't look what's happening here. Right? We see that Francis is hell-bent on eradicating the traditional Latin Mass 
the Roman rite of mass, right? He's, right. he's determined to eradicate that. It does not express his faith. It doesn't express the faith of the church these days. There's only one authentic expression of the faith now, and that's his Novus Ordo, or the, the Politics Novus Ordo. Now you get the Atlantic uh, with this, uh, what's his name, uh, Peloton guy, uh, attacking the Rosary, okay, and saying that that's like uh, having an AR-15 assault weapon. And if you're carrying, you're, you, you've got a rosary in your pocket, like your concealed carry, this is a, this is an assault weapon offensive against, uh, you know, modern, the modern world, or whatever he says. And, I mean, he's right. This is straight from hell. This is the voice of the devil saying, this is how I see your rosary. This is a, a weapon against me. And those who are allied with the devil are going to see this as an atrocity. To have a rosary. They're trying to turn people against those who even, even have a rosary. As though they are the enemy, sick of them. Um, and so we, we have these Catholic devotions that are being anathematized by the world, and by that I mean Francis, uh, who epitomizes uh, Peter when our Lord said to him in Matthew 16, Get behind me, Satan, because you mind the things of man and not the things of God. You're so, um, you know, the, these, these devotions of Catholicism right down to the most fundamental devotions of our faith, the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, the Rosary, they are being anathematized by the world. They're being held up not only for opprobrium, but and as a matter of fact, as are they are the great enemy that has to be wiped out from the face of the earth. And those who uh, adhere to them are, the, are the, the enemies of mankind, and they should not be tolerated. Um, we should not be surprised to find that. This just shows you how far along we are on that road. And then going back to that article, I have a question. This is like, where are we supposed to go? Mm -hmm. You have what they refer to as home aloners. Mm -hmm. they, just, mm -hmm. they just refuse. They, 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 there is no Catholic priest or the church there, so they're going to be their, the Catholic church. They'll do their own marriages. They do their own whatever they do. And they just don't want to go any farther. They're just content there without really having to do anything. They can do what they want as they want because they set themselves now up as their own judge. They're, they're judging them. They, they're figuring out themselves, they're, they're the, the authority, what they can and cannot do. But they don't want to go any farther, so they stay with that, uh, that question. Like, where are we supposed to go? What can we do? Where can we find them? Where, how do we, they don't, they don't, it has to be out there. And the church is there. They just, they like their little ways of doing things. <clears throat> they want to be their own pope, their own bishops, yep. their own higher, their own magisterium, right? Yep. <laughs> Their own justifier, their own sanctifier. Uh, no mass, no sacraments, or anything. That's not, that's not the Catholic Church. There are those who are maybe forced in, in times of persecution to that, um, either because they have no access to the mass and the sacraments or because they're imprisoned. But the fact is, they recognize this as a situation that is forced upon them. And they have no choice because they have no access. But Father Skirke is talking about those who have access. And they choose not to and go. And they choose not uh, to go. That's the difference. They choose not to go. They they're not they're doing exactly it. what the devil wants them to do. Absolutely. He yeah. wants them to cut them. He wants to cut them off from the Mass and the Sacraments, and they're playing right into his hands. Or his paws, or whatever it calls Playing right into his hands. They're delivering their children right into his, his hands, too. Hmm. It's, a, it's, a terrible, it's a terrible sign. Wow. Okay, um, maybe we can work through a couple more questions just really quickly. There's... Um, an email titled Ecumenical Prayer. So there's a series of questions. Maybe we could uh, just go through these rather quickly. Um, 
The first one, Zura asks, can I pray with Protestants? And then in parentheses, he has over meals. Can I pray with Protestants over meals? It depends on what they're eating. <laughs> okay. Can you pray with Protestants in itself, by itself? Yes. Now you got the conditions, the qualifications. Yeah. Okay. You know, if it's, if, if it's a private person saying the Our Father and you join with them, you can do that. Mm -hmm. If it's a minister doing their official prayer, no, the answer is no. And then there's always a question that if you're praying with them, you're, you scandalize the children. Uh, you really scandalize them. You say, well, it's okay to pray. You're praying with them, then I can go to church and I can pray. They'll take what, what you're doing, you're scandalizing. They say, oh, well, mom did it, or daddy did it, I can do it now. Yeah. And he goes one step farther. And, Praising their goals, <coughs> whatever they do. Because yeah. a Protestant wants to pray the rosary with you. Um, you're praying Catholic prayers there, right? Yeah. And um, they're not they're not Catholics, but could you actually join, have a Protestant join you in praying the rosary? I mean, maybe the, the Protestant might not know what the Catholic page teaches, but for whatever reason, the Protestant thinks, well, this is a nice prayer, I like this, and... Uh, um, I want I want to join in your prayer. Maybe the Protestant thinks, well, I'll be ecumenical by doing this. Um, can you actually have a Protestant join you in praying the prayers yeah. of the rosary? Yes, well, I would think so. But I think, huh? I would think so. Too. But on the other hand, over the meal, what, what I've seen in restaurants, they sit around the meal and they all join hands. That's their part of their ritual. Mm. Now, why would you want to join in there and join hands and do their prayer when you have our own prayers? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a distinction there. I will, you, I don't, I think it's a principle. You know, I, I agree. In joining the hands, it's like a public act. Yeah. You're professing a, something absolutely. in the eyes of the people who interpret that a certain way. Mm. Well, what about uh, you're, you're at a meal, let's say a pro-life meal, and they have uh, like Pastor Bob up there from the True Life Ebenezer First National Church uh, of Peoria, whatever, and he says, let us all now bow our heads, and you know, everybody bows their heads. Are you allowed to bow your head? I would. You would? I don't think so. Okay. But what do you think? I... Do you stand there? Uh, I mean, you could be standing there praying the decade of the rosary, or well, it's their minister, know, the Apostles' minister, Creed. If that minister is leading it, the rosary, or really leading that, leading their prayers, then it's like us. If we are leading some prayer, we're the official prayer of the church. That's that's you join in. You're joining in our religion. Well, I don't know if. Uh, they really think of it quite that way, the official, because they don't even believe in a priesthood, so the minister yeah, yeah. is just a minister of the people. I mean, I don't know, maybe they do. But uh, what would you do, sit down? Uh, would you have to walk out? Would you show some sign, I am not participating in this? Just stand there. Act of worship. I would bow the head, just stand there. Uh, okay. That's what I would do. Because that's what I see most people do. You know, they realize. Uh, and, and often the Catholics will make the sign of the cross before and after. Right. And I guess that sends a, a signal. But the point is, if, if you're, by participating in the prayer, you're indicating a certain oneness and faith and worship with the people, you can't do it. Right? I think so if they would see you as approving and joining in with them, and they see that as your approval of what they're doing, then absolutely not. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, the next question. Um, hey, uh, if I may, yeah. What if they're not expressing anything contrary to our faith? What if they're just saying, you know, oh God, you know, through your son, Jesus Christ, you have re redeemed the world. And uh, we thank you for sending your son and uh, please help us to courageously be faithful like to him. And they, they, it's just kind of a generic it's, it's prayer. Spontaneous like prayer. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you don't know what he's going to say, so he might wind up saying something like, you know, that we're saved by faith alone that you can't agree with. <clears throat> but I mean, let's say you you you, re- you knew or had reason to believe you're just going to say some generic prayer like that. Um, would you just um, still have to? Would it be wrong for you to bow your head, or would it be long, wrong for you to uh, even go along with that anyway? What would you have to somehow demonstrate? Well, this is not Catholic, and I'm not going to touch it. I don't, I, I don't think you could join in. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bow my head because I wouldn't mm-hmm. just. Yeah, say things. They say a certain approval that mm-hmm. you're joining in, participating with a part of them. You know, I think of Blessed Oliver Plunkett. He was canonized by the Novus Ordo, one of the first canonized by the New Order, right? And uh, I think Scottish, Scotland. Uh, he was put to death on the scaffold, and he. There were two questions asked of him. Uh, he was asked first to pray with us. And he adamantly insisted, I will not pray with you because you are heretics and we do not have the same faith and I will not join you in your heretical prayers. And then they asked him, well, where do you want to be buried? He said, bury me out in the field over there because I will not be buried among you because we do not have the unity of faith. You have rejected the faith that I believe in and for which I am now dying. And, you know, they named him the patron saint of ecumenism. (laughs) <laughs> the Novus oh, Ordo has a, who that. says they don't have a sense of humor <laughs> but it's a very dark and evil sense of humor I'm afraid poor uh, blessed Oliver Plunkett but I think that sets the example but the trouble is you know those are Protestants then who had rejected the faith of their baptism now we're talking about people who have no idea right so uh, you know I, I don't know I think it's a different matter of, of scandalizing people right now because of their ignorance of any faith, ours or theirs. But somehow we have to send the message, right? That they, well, we, yeah, we it doesn't them. matter if there's a unity of faith and there's disunity. And, and we have to stand up and show them that we're, we're not agreeing with all of that stuff, even though they may be all pro-life, whatever it might be, but we're not agreeing with mm-hmm. their particular bent of religion, whatever it might and be. And it's precisely the message of ecumenism that we all agree, or if we don't, it doesn't matter anyway. Mm-hmm. We cannot send that message, certainly. Mm-hmm. Well, they also ask if they can uh, pray with, with someone that they're trying to convert, possibly someone on their deathbed, um, if they were a Novus Ordo, or even a, a, or, I'm sorry, a Protestant, or even a Novus Ordo Catholic. Could they pray with someone who they're trying to convert to the true faith? When they say pray, they mean like the individual's praying and the fellow on the deathbed, he's listening? Presumably. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, actually, I found something that was printed back in the 40s, I think it was, a little card, I forget the Bishop of Chicago, I think it was. He approved it. It, it what it was, it was a prayer that was, in a, it wasn't necessarily generic. It had two aspects. One was that it was a, it was a profession of faith, the way it was worded. It professed everything we as Catholics believe, not mentioning the Catholic Church, because they figured some people, some people are just so animate against the Catholic Church, they wouldn't have anything to do with it. But so it, without mentioning the name Catholic, it had everything there which was necessary for a profession of faith for someone who would, let's say, was dying. Yeah. And then second part of it was was a perfect act of contrition. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily as we know it, but it, it expressed the, the sorrow for offending Almighty God. Mm-hmm. And the, it, the, the bishop approved of it. And it, the purpose was that if someone were, were dying, 
you could read it, or if you get him to read it himself, get him to accept it, maybe not the first time, but he reads it, it's, yeah, this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. And so, but he's praying our, our right. Catholic prayers. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of harmonizes, actually, with the uh, formal approval of the church, uh, especially uh, given during the war, World War II, possibly World War I, that if a Catholic chaplain would come across a non-Catholic, mm -hmm. but a baptized Protestant, who was dying on the battlefield, and he asked uh, for sacraments. Let's say an Anglican, right, was dying on the battlefield. Many of them did during World War II and World War I. The question came up, can a Catholic administer any of the sacraments to the dying non-Catholic but baptized Christian who believes in, in, in Christ? And the answer of the Church was, he could never give him Holy Communion. He could not give him Holy Communion. But he can conditionally absolve him, anoint him, uh, with the, on the condition that the person does have, uh, well, the person believes sincerely in Jesus Christ and just doesn't know. Uh, I mean, if you ask people today, what do you think of when you hear the word Catholic Church? I mean, many people would say, well, I think of Francis, Pope Francis. That's the tragedy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> What representation of the Catholic Church or Catholic belief or Catholic worship do you find in Francis? Uh, but that's what they associate with it. That's what they understand as Catholic Church. That's what they understand as Catholicism. And there are many people, devout people, who are scandalized by that. Even devout Protestants are scandalized at the idea of Francis. Um, and they, if they think that he is Catholicism, you know, you ask the question, is the Pope Catholic? And they say, well, of course, uh, that's what Catholicism is, you know. And it's not Francis. So we have that problem today that people are very confused, and including many, many Nova Servo Catholics are confused by all this. And I would say scandalized by it, in the sense that you said that. And they're thinking, well, it must be okay, because he's doing it, and he's saying it's okay. So, you know, adultery, I, I can still be living in adultery, and go up and receive the, hose, the, the, the wafer, and whatever else. So uh, you can see how somebody could conceivably uh, be following a certain vague faith, a belief in, in God, that there's truly a God, and he did send his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who really is our Redeemer. But he might not know much. And a lot of Protestants today don't even know the idea of being saved by faith, saved by faith alone. A lot of Protestants don't believe that. Well, ask a modern Lutheran today, they don't know what Luther taught. No. They don't believe what Luther taught. No, I mean, that's a basic point. You say, do you believe somebody can be a mass murderer and still uh, be saved? No. Well, what if he believes in Jesus? Well, no, he's a mass murderer. No. They say, <laughs> well, how could he really believe in Jesus be a mass murderer? So, um, so could somebody actually be um, innocent and actually be able to be in the state of grace? And the church answered, it's possible. So you could... Conditionally, we ha he might have the intention necessary to be absolved and to be anointed. You have to do it conditionally, though. But you could not give him Holy Communion because you're still not, well, he's not professing the Catholic well, you could, faith. You still not give, one in faith. You couldn't give Holy Communion conditionally. <laughs> but you can't give Holy Communion conditionally. That's, that's a good point, too. Right. Well, let's, we'll take that. We'll accept that as the <laughs> final answer. <laughs> well, uh, Reverend Fathers, thank you both for being here tonight. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we? Before we close, no, and okay. thank you for yeah. just pray and please 
If you're practicing the traditional Catholic faith, practice it completely, not just in part, but completely. Insist on it. Insist on it from yourself, from your loved ones, from your clergy. Be faithful entirely to the traditional Catholic faith. Don't compromise. And if you're not practicing the traditional Catholic faith, you're a novice or a Catholic, recognize you are in uh, terra aliena. You're in for a foreign land there in the Novus Ordo, right? That's modernism. <clears throat> and you need to try to escape. You need to escape from the modernism and you need to find a way to practice the traditional Catholic faith in its integrity. If you're not a Christian, if you're not baptized, well, uh, the gates of heaven are not open to you. So you need to uh, learn who your Savior is, learn to know him, learn to love him, and learn to serve him. So uh, you can only do that really through the traditional Catholic faith, and that's where the that's where the faith is. You had the one person, one person who was asking, "Well, where do we find the church now?" And if he's still going to the Novus Ordo, I can see why he might ask that question because he's he's still confused. But once he um, disassociates himself from the Novus Ordo, and once he cuts off the ties with modernism, as Father Skirky said, unfortunately, those ties might be too strong for him with modernism. Uh, because he's bought into it too much. But once you cut those ties of modernism, you can see clearly that the traditional Catholic faith is the Catholic faith, and that's where the true Catholic Church is today, and will always be there, right? Yeah. Just as it says in the Te Igitur, the first prayer of the canon of the Mass, <clears throat> with those who truly profess, practice, propagate the, the, the true apostolic faith, the traditional apostolic faith. That's the traditional Catholic faith we know and love. Okay. Father Jenkins, thank you as always. Good to see you. Father Skirky, it's good to see you as well. Thanks for being on. Good oh, to have you again, Sam. Good to see you. Nice Hopefully, Father Skirky uh, might be able to join us next week. I'm not sure. We'll see. Prolonged stay with us. I'm sure the people in Montana are longing for his return. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both, and thank you to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.